Hi, this is Collective Hearts, episode four. I'm Tiffany in Indiana. And I am Harley from Michigan. And today is just kind of trying to be a continuation of our talk about narcissism last week. Uh, This time we're going to touch a little bit more on like narcissism in the workplace and like in families, parents, uh, other family members, etc. Narcissism in a work environment, it can create a very toxic environment. Uh, They don't take into perspective of others into account, um, treating people differently based on their value to them, trying to control others and minimize their influence, taking decisions without um, taking moral boundaries or organizational rules into account. Yeah. Um, Showing behavior to only promote themselves. I think you mentioned before about uh, if they, uh, you do something and you, they end up taking the credit from you because they're trying to just promote themselves. Yeah, that's one thing I found a lot of too was um, they want praise and recognition for every little thing they do, but also want like the credit for doing the work if someone else is getting that praise. Mm -hmm. So like if you work in an environment, um, with somebody that maybe uh, doesn't really work as a team player either. Like they don't often like to be a part of a team. They want to steal the credit. They want the, they want the recognition for if it went well. And then if it didn't, doesn't go well, they want to like, you'll pass the blame or they'll lie about it and say they weren't a part of it or anything like that. So they always try to make sure something's working in their favor in their work relationships yes they'll throw you under the bus if something goes wrong yeah I don't Um, know have you ever worked with somebody that uh I think I kind of did a little bit we had a lead tech um she's retired now but she you would have to cover your butt because if you requested for time off and you didn't make a copy of your request sheet off she would tell you yeah go ahead you got you got approved for that time off and then you would take that time off and this you know you would get a phone call of like why aren't you at work and it was from the manager and it's like I was told that I could take this time off I had put my request in well somehow or another you know the lead tech would be like I didn't approve that that was that was not approved I never got the request form and of course if you don't have a copy of that request form like if you didn't make a copy when you went to submit it then you really don't have any proof Jeez. It, was, it was a way to control I didn't personally experience it because I was told you know to make copies of my <laughs> request time off but one of the other texts she did get in trouble for it and it was like it was really bad (laughs) I think I have in one well I don't really think I've really worked too toxic of places there's been some um just for different situations but um we had one guy that worked with me uh when I worked at Sprint (laughs) and he his ego was like the size of the moon. Okay. Like he was new. He thought he knew everything. Couldn't tell him nothing. He was so inflated about what he was capable of. Like 
and he would mess up and they'd be like that i didn't do that and it's like there were so many things um he'd always want the credit or like if somebody walked in because we got a uh, commission for selling you know mm-hmm. phones and stuff and um if somebody walked in like we kind of took turns because we wanted everybody to be able to get commissions and uh he would just run to like every person that walked in the door like was not about sharing didn't want anybody else to get their commissions and just very self-centered and um once he came on in our team like everything changed like the whole demeanor changed like it the environment was no longer enjoyable um and just this particular person kind of ruined it and then like people ended up leaving because this one person now worked there and he wasn't leaving so like the whole like it just was a very negative oh that sucks and like that I end up leaving and it wasn't per se because of him but like everything did change because all the good people left because of this person and then the whole environment and like at that point I didn't like the environment anymore right and wanted to grow so then I continued but it's crazy how um much one person can affect a work environment just by being one bad egg you know and I think a lot of people probably experience that like there are a lot of unhealthy workplaces, unfortunately. And a lot of times we just suck it up and suffer. Um, but these type of people don't care if you have a job. So a no. lot of times they'll do whatever they can to get you in trouble and it'll affect your livelihood. Like, I mean, if you're the only person working in your family or even just surviving, like obviously cost of living right now is so insane. Um but it makes it hard to want to be there. And then um, I think a lot of times we fall into like a state of depression because it's basically like uh, your second home. I mean, you're not home, you're working most of the time. Right. You know? And um, having an unhealthy work environment, I myself have been in a toxic one where I brought my work home and would be super grouchy and grumpy and mm-hmm. mean partner, not meaning to be, but it's where I let it out. And I didn't realize it until I realized it. And yeah, it'll take a toll on you mentally. Yes. Uh, I think there was also some other experiences that I didn't personally experience that I kind of seen. And it was, um, we at another hospital that I worked at, we had students that come in and we're supposed to train them and whatnot. And they were so mean to the students. Um, there was an incident where the lead tech there gave the student her credit card and said, Hey, go downstairs, get everybody coffee, blah, blah, blah. So the student, well, thankfully it wasn't a student from my um, college. It was from a different college, but still, nonetheless, it was horrible. Um, She sent her downstairs. She went, got coffees for everybody. She came back upstairs. Security was outside the department door waiting for her and told her that she stole the credit card and was trying to get her into some serious trouble and everyone just sat there and watched the whole thing and then finally tech was like i'm just kidding it's just a joke she didn't really take my credit card i gave it to her to go downstairs and get everybody coffees like the whole thing was entirely insane i'm like where what in the what is happening (laughs) yeah that poor student was crying it was just it wasn't okay (laughs) and i'm not sure if that was a form of narcissism or if it was just like a control thing but it was it was but that's one thing we love i know one of my things i wrote down was like 
uh, narcissistic people in the workplace, they often fantasize about being in power and control over everyone. And a lot of times that's the person that ends up becoming their boss. <laughs> and right. so like a lot of people have a really, really like control power boss. And, um, I think those, I mean, obviously we know narcissists, they thrive on that. Like they want the control and be able to have the say. And I know a lot of them in this scenario won't listen to like, they don't, the rules don't affect them. Like um, they don't have to abide by the rules. They do their own thing. Like, and they try to get to the top so they can have that power over a, a group of people. Right. And then I know when she finally did get demoted from being lead tech, she was pissed. She was beyond pissed. And it was like, well, you're, and she would always be like, I'm just joking. And like they, the things that they did to students and, you know, just going behind the whole department and talking about each other's backs. I mean, that was one of the reasons why I chose not to stay at the hospital. It was like, I'm not going to work here when this is what you guys do. That's that's one of my coworker traits. My narcissistic coworker traits is gossiping about others. Yeah. I don't like the whole, you know, ultrasounds hard and you do have to take your own pictures. You are relied to, but if you make a mistake, I would rather be confronted face to face and told what I did wrong. Yeah. I don't want the whole department to know what I did wrong. Like that's right. also unprofessional. Very unprofessional. And a lot of times people are just cool with talking about every. Uh, those are usually very bad environments too. There's always like one or two people that thrive on like gossiping in the workplace. And I know a certain, uh, a friend of mine that overheard one of the girls talking crap about her in the aisle over and didn't know she was there. And it caused, and like the girl ended up quitting. Cause she's like, if that's what you think of me, then why am I here? You know? And it, yeah. was, it was a manager and it's like, for one, work is not the place to be talking about your coworkers, especially because right. you never know who's around. You never know who can hear. And not only that, but out of respect, like why, if you're a mature person, you don't do that. No. Um, now, if you come home and vent to your partner, that's one thing. And that stays between you guys and whatever, but to go around and create a, a narrative of someone else to someone else you work with, like then there's already more tension and more conflict with more employees like why like she said why couldn't you just tell me to my face on how you felt you know like you said for adults yeah but like lying too to like the person saying they're the best worker they have this is this and then turn around and say she's lazy and this is like how can you right like it's not okay like if you feel that way you need to say hey you really need to step it up around here or, you know, something more pleasant, <laughs> but just more mature to the, the talking behind people's backs never comes with good yeah. things usually. <laughs> um, yeah, I have like, nothing's ever good enough for them, but that kind of goes with any narcissism. I mean, like a lot of these, like we talked about coincides together, it's just a different environment or scenario yeah because um, I could I would imagine that a person who's a narcissist in the work environment I'm assuming narcissistic in their other relationships as well yeah it'll carry over yeah typically if you are one you are one but uh 
I did write down um, some ways to deal with the narcissist at work. I mean, aside from quitting, like not everyone's in the position, they can just quit their job and it's hard to find jobs that are comparable. I mean, I know people will say there's jobs everywhere and yes, there is, but something comparable that you can support your family that works with your schedule. Like if you have kids, it's really, you know, it's really hard to get a schedule that works. Um, Yeah. But uh, some of mine were like, learn how gaslighting works, which, hey guys, episode two. (laughs) (laughs) We talked a lot about gaslighting. (laughs) Um, Avoid taking things personally. Like just know that anything they say or um, push on you, like that's on them, not on you. Unless you are doing something wrong, at least take accountability, but don't take things they say personally. Um, Maintain realistic expectations. Uh, document offensive behavior like if they're being if there is a repetitive behavior or crappiness definitely make note of it um because who knows you know write down your date what occurred you know what was said and keep a log and at that point if it becomes a harassment deal you can talk to hr um usually they want you to go like to your actual boss first and then you'll go higher up so start there (laughs) yeah they want to start somewhere and then if that isn't handled then you move on to the next yeah and try to talk to your boss but if your boss is maybe the narcissistic person here it might either if there's another person above them prior to hr because hr is kind of like the the max thing you know if something's going wrong um set firm boundaries which we talked about before like boundaries not only at home and in your relationships but in your work relationships are very important too um avoid sharing personal details always a good one um I feel like we become kind of complacent like I know people have their work families but it always right. seems like when you tell too much <laughs> that's mm-hmm. what it comes into play and all everybody has something to say about your life you know you have to read the room I guess when it comes to that because there was times where I kept my life private but then the same hand it was not doing me any good because there was all those situations that were happening and everyone's like why aren't you on work on time like what is you know what is happening then when I told them everything it was like they were more willing to work with me yes yeah I guess like you said you got to read the room kind of find if it works for you or not um yeah and then I also had um be mindful of flattery and love bombing so you know the love bombing coincides with the gaslighting we had in episode two and uh don't engage in the gossip so you know if somebody if there's a particular person that always starts gossip or drama or like always talking about other people really try not to engage with that person because that person wants that and then they're going to go tell so-and-so that you said this about so-and-so right it won't be that they started it or they were talking it will be you yeah they will never say they'll be like oh well they said this to me about you but for one why are they comfortable telling you (laughs) you know that stuff oh yeah, I had those few things as far as the workplace goes. Um, family, we're going to talk about. Yeah, parents, we're going to talk about family members. Parents, none. 
I have more on parents than I do um, a lot of other things. Um, and I mean, a lot of it, like we discussed from the previous episode, I mean, there's a lot of traits that obviously follow over. Um, there are a few different traits that kind of come in with a parent being a narcissism to a child and they see their child as a source of validation. They are emotionally reactive, but shame their child's emotions. I will get on a little more topic of that because I see that personally yeah. in our lives. Um, yep. They always put their own needs first. They have poor boundaries and they play favorites. I will too also touch mm-hmm. on that a little bit as well. Um, so going back to, they um, are emotionally reactive, but change, uh, shame their child's emotions. I personally see that in our life with um, my two stepkids. Uh, their mother does that with them. She'll, you know, for instance, there's been a lot of talk about the kids calling me mom. It's not something that me and Josh obviously tell them to do. They want to do it because they love me and they respect me. Um, we've told them by all means, you want to call me mom. You can call me Harley and call me whatever you want to call me. And their mom has heard. And I understand that there's going to be some hurt feelings. Obviously I have kids of my own. I'm not naive to the fact, Uh, but she asked them, you know, if they call me mom and they both told her, yes. Well, in the same hand, she put words in their mouth or well, gaslighted them, I guess, because in same hand, she said, Oh, first she asked, you know, do they tell you to call her that? And they say, no, that's just what we call her. Yeah. You know, what we want to call her. And then in the same hand, she will tell them, no, that's not, that's not true. Your dad is totally making you call her that. Hmm. And my stepson, you know, on the same hand is like, no, dad doesn't tell us to call her that, that he's told us to call her whatever we want to call her. And she consistently, you know, is trying to, I don't know, convince herself or convince him that it's being forced. And then when he, you know, tries to express his emotions on it, she blows up and won't take anything into consideration. You know, there's a lack of accepting what you're being told. And then same thing for her daughter as well. She, you know, she tried to tell her the same thing. And then finally she told us that she gave up trying to tell her, her mother, how she was feeling because she just wasn't being heard because it wasn't what she wanted to hear. Yeah. I've also seen similar in my step uh, parenting, if you will, bonus parenting, I'll call it. Um, but yeah, similar, like I won't go into depth so much, but, um, just certain situations where like if the kids have a good time they're kind of punished to if they talk about it or like they're not allowed to love me um things have changed a lot at least for me personally with that situation um but I will say you know the beginning was very hard like if they had a good time or um talked about me like it was shut down real quick and they were made to feel crappy about it so I feel for the kids that are involved like that like that's not fair um please know if you're a parent like that like it's not okay um while we get being 
feeling some kind of way, like those are your emotions and it's not fair to project them onto children that literally are innocent, pure human beings. Okay. So like, maybe you don't like it, but we're adults. We got to suck up what we don't like sometimes. And sometimes that's allowing another person. Now, if they're crappy to your child, that's one thing, but if someone's literally in the picture that just loves your kids is there for them and does absolutely everything they can. Like, why wouldn't you want that for your children? Right. Yeah. But you know, and then, I know ego gets away and well, and then if that person is a narcissist, they're gonna, they already have a low self-esteem. And when someone else comes into the picture, I think they almost feel threatened. Yes, and, I would agree. And, you know, and really, truly, um, from our standpoint, dealing with the narcissist in that area, she, she is lazy. She doesn't do a whole lot for the kids. The kids do for her, mm-hmm. and, you know, she puts her needs first with them and, you know, she really kind of uses them. So then you, you know, you have a different yeah. family where the aspects and roles are different where. I, you know, I'm hands-on, you know, their dad's hands-on. We constantly do, or doing it together. I could see where she probably feels threatened, you know, like, well, I don't do half of that. Yeah. Um, and then the play, the, they play favorites. I see that a lot. Um, yeah. I have definitely have heard the stories of, you know, two of the kids being treated way differently than two of the other kids being treated differently. Yeah. Uh, not sure what the reasons are there and right. why they're that way, but I definitely know I, I've even kind of seen it firsthand. And the funny thing is, is, is it'll be reversed and it'll be that we play a favorite with one kid over the other. <laughs> it's like, like, dude, that's like some. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah so, no. and usually they project what they feel. So, like, maybe they do know that they do it or realize it, but they um, twist it to that the other side does. And they do that a lot. I have found um, lots of lying. I don't know if you've experienced it, but like, as far as step parenting goes, I've I've been in the middle of a lot of lying. So not just from parents, but kids as well. And um, it's unfortunate that it comes from the parents, but um, I have found that a lot of the lying traits also happen in that scenario. Also like that they can do no wrong. Like I've gotten the like, I'm a good parent this is this and it's like okay are you trying to convince me or yourself because right (laughs) if you have to tell me that many times I mean I never said they're a bad parent so it's like hard to just shut your mouth (laughs) right I've had to bite my tongue a lot unfortunately but it is the way it is like I I think you know you choose your battles yeah um, in adulthood and especially when you you know I, I know very well and so do you that we are not those bonus kids as moms and they have moms and um I would never want to overstep that or cross those boundaries and I feel like I've done a great job um myself and I know you have too but it sucks when you get a little bit of a pushback even though you're just trying to be a good person to to the kids 
I know that, um, yeah, I think I kind of struggle with it a little bit more because I have, you know, four biologically that are mine. And then I have these two that I love and treat just as if I had given birth to them, but it, um, I do try not to cross a line. Yeah. Uh, but I do, I do want them to know that I do love them because I'm sure, you know, there's four other kids that are biologically mine that I don't want anyone to feel like, well, she doesn't love me or she wouldn't protect me over, you know, before. so it, it is a little hard um, at times, which I know you know that. Yeah. Not just with uh, step parenting. Um, I myself have a parental figure <laughs> that I've struggled with, um, with having some narcissistic, well, I would probably classify as, but, um, having dealt with that, but like also everybody else is just parent. Uh, I've got a friend who her mom was terribly narcissistic and you couldn't tell her nothing. Like she always had to be right. And um, they always are kind of one uppers. I don't know if you've noticed that, like they always have done something better or, um, more extravagant or whatever. So Yes. Uh, I have heard, um, I don't know this person personally, but I know that this was huge, um, that me and somebody else was sharing about an experience that they've been experiencing. Their son is dating a girl and they are teenagers and the mom, I believe fits completely to the bill of a narcissist because she will get her kid out in public and you think that she's like the greatest mom ever. And she like praises her daughter and, you know, especially when she does something good, she's like, Oh yeah, that, you know, I just love her so much and blah, blah, blah. But then behind closed doors, this person that was telling me about this has got to experience it personally, especially with her son telling her things, um, that the mom will knock her down. Um, the daughter doesn't like shaving her legs, which I, that's a, that's what she chooses to do. Um, but the mom will make fun of her for it. Um, tells her, you know, are you sure you really wow. eat that? Cause that's, that's mm. going to make you fat, even though she's not by any means big at all. Um, yeah. tells her, you know, you, you should wear it. You should wear makeup because it makes you look prettier because without it, you're ugly. Like just consistently is belittling her at all times has nothing ever really good to ever tell her. Um, and her, it's made her daughter self-esteem be on extremely low. So my friend's son is constantly trying to make up for what obviously the mother is doing. Right. Mm, That's sad. It is sad. And it's to me, it's almost like a form of child abuse, really, in a way, if you're going to do those things to your kid. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. So that I, when she told me all of those things that were going on, I'm like, oh my gosh, that is like, that's the, that's horrible. And I have found that usually parents like that, not that it's any excuse, but had really poor parents as well, as far as like how they were treated. So like, they don't know how to be a mom or dad and they treat them the way they were treated, which is usually with a lot of mental, emotional abuse. Right. Um, Right. And then narcissistic parents, um, 
what we've also kind of dealt with on our side is secretive uh, and they are possessively close to the child, which like I said, we've kind of experienced the playing favorites and there is one out of the two that is way favored and there's like right. a closeness with the daughter more than the son and it's kind of like manipulative and cunning and explosive with her because yeah. she'll say things to her that shouldn't be said to her yeah and you know your dad doesn't love you or you know x y and z onto multiple yeah. things and it's sad because then we see a different side to my stepdaughter when she comes over and it's like it just sucks because she's literally being put in the middle of an issue that you know yeah. shouldn't care. and that's how it's kind of it's kind of always been that even like when we were getting along yeah. there was still those traits and everything that were being put on her you know the parents usually a pathological liar which we talked about that just a little bit ago yeah. um it goes back to the don't listening um and i've seen their mother brag and exaggerate over things about the kids um mm -hmm. but then when they're not doing good she under like just kind of dogs them like well i told them you know how they didn't listen and good luck trying to get them to do anything for you because they don't do anything for me and i'm like okay <laughs> i don't really know what to say i feel like they play the victim a lot too yes and um, I've also heard her go at uh, my stepson saying he's being cunning and manipulative and things like that when he's like made a mistake or has done something. And I personally have heard her on the phone, like screaming at him saying, well, you're just being cunning and you're so manipulative. And I'm like, he's not even a, he's a kid. Like, I don't even, <laughs> can you be cunning and manipulative at that age? <laughs> Why do people bring kids into adult things? Not only that, I mean, like her feelings towards you or the kids' dad, that's her own. But I don't get why manipulate your child. Why would you not want your child to love their parent? Right. Like, I personally can't understand that, but it comes down to immaturity and lack of accountability. Like, they always play the victim and push, say the other person, this, the other person, this, this person's so terrible. But if you actually like get to know the other partner, nine times out of 10, that person is nothing like what they were told because that one person doesn't want other people to like them or accept them or love them. And yeah, I see that a lot in not only, you know, um, what's it called? Mixed families but just regular families, yes. um, there's always kind of one, not always, but you get a lot of like one parent talking down about another and like involving the kids and telling all their stuff. Like kids should not be brought into adult drama or adult problems or no. like they're kids, let them be kids. Like, yes. why are we making our kids grow up faster by, and, and, and be conditioned. A lot of it, I think is conditioning their mind to believe the same way that that parent does. Yes. And it hurts everyone in the long run. Yes. And it says a parent of a narcissist will often abuse the normal parental roles of guiding their children and being a primary decision maker in the child's life, becoming overly possessive and excessive um, control 
disempower the child and the parent sees the child simply as an extension of themselves. And I think what that means is, is like, for example, when your child is doing really good in a sport and let's say your parent also played that sport when they were a kid, you're going to hear all about from that parent of like, Oh, when I played, I, I got this and this and this, and it kind of like will undermine what you're doing. Or if you're not playing how they think you should be playing, they're going to scream and yell at that kid and be like, why didn't you do this? And why didn't you do that? Because they're trying to live vicariously through that kid instead of just letting the kids themselves and play how they're going to play. I see that a lot, especially when our kiddo played basketball so not so many there's the few parents like and even when we were in school and played volleyball I recall a few parents yell like screaming at their kid and it's like this is high school (laughs) it is not that serious but they yeah I think in some situations if they didn't get to where they wanted to get to or like I like when we have younger parents and they didn't get to let's just say fulfill some of the things they wanted to do in high school or college or didn't get to go because of whatever yes it's like they want to live vicariously through their child yes yes and then uh, I think um, for instance when you were talking about how you had a parent that has like some narcissistic traits I think what that coincides with is if I'm correct your dad did um drugs and stuff as well correct yeah well my biological father your biological yeah yeah my stepfather would be more of the one I because my dad is also a drug user and he wasn't a narcissist our whole life right no yeah and now he has those narcissistic traits because to be an addict, you know, to have an addiction, you have to be selfish. Yeah. And it's a chemical, I mean, you're changing the chemicals in your body. So it, that makes sense. So I think some of that can fall into that category of, you know, sometimes we don't come across these things until circumstances change or that person is changing something in their lives with chemicals, such as addiction and things like that. Because yeah, my dad has all the characters of a narcissist now because he's all worried about when he's going to get his next fix and when because it's all about him it's not anybody else yeah I mean my whole childhood was that as far as the bio dad um and I really you know that one's a hard one to talk about because I don't really know the specifics um having been young my mom was great and didn't involve me and my sister and any of that crap, which I'm very grateful for because I didn't know anything was going on until I was an adult. But yeah, you know, mom enlightened us and still let us make a decision. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I would think a little bit him. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know how much like narcissism, I guess I didn't look up that part for sure. Or maybe we talked about it, but does it coincide with like people that have bipolar and depression? Because yeah. um, my stepfather, you know, the, the man that raised me basically um, has those things. And so having um, grown up with that, like you see a lot of those and I would say, yes, he has a few of those traits, you know, um, for sure. Right. And what, and we also want to express to the people who are listening that, 
all of us can have some narcissistic traits. That doesn't mean that the person that you're necessarily dealing with is a full-blown narcissist. Now, if there's like, you know, box after box that's checked and they're doing this and they're doing that, then yes, I would say that you could definitely probably place them more in that category. But if there's only a few things that you're noticing, it's hard to say. And really, truly a therapist, a natural professional is going to be the one that truly can diagnose somebody exactly. with a narcissistic personality. Like she said, truly, like uh, all of us can carry traits here and there, but there's a difference between a few traits and a disorder. Um, I was telling Harley off cam that um, I haven't noticed it. The word narcissist or narcissism gets thrown around a lot about people um, who maybe do have just a few things people don't like about a certain person that does not classify them as a narcissist. And um, I know it's easy to just be like, oh, well, he, she's a narcissist, this, 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 and bash them. But um, just keep in mind that there's a lot more to it than just a couple things. Um, like she's like Harley said, if, if, if every box they're dinging, like, yeah, probably, but we're also not, uh, medical professionals, as far as doctors and everything, we can't diagnose that for you. We're just trying to give you guys some insight and like kind of what to look for or be aware of. And even in ourselves, um, have an accountability for yourself. If you recognize yourself in some of these things, maybe, um, consider the steps to get help. Um, it doesn't mean you're incapable of not being a narcissist, um, but it does come down to you wanting to get the help. Right. And making the changes yourself. If you notice any of these tendencies as well, I know us going through this, I'm realizing like, Oh, there's some things that I do, <laughs> you know, that I'm like, Oh, I could do better at that. Yeah. And we could all do better at you know, things in life. And I think being self-aware is a big, big thing for people to be able to, to get to that point and grow. And I mean, if you don't think that a single thing is wrong with you and you're perfect, I hate to tell you this, but you are very, very blinded. <laughs> and yes. It's time to do some inner work because not a single person on this earth doesn't have something, something up that needs changing. So yes. And I think we're going to present some self-help books because I think you've read some. Yep. I love those. <laughs> I think Harley knows they're like the only yep. books I'll read. I have to really be interested, but um, I will say in different periods of my life, self-help books really did help me see differently and like do some inner work on myself. That's, it's not pretty, like, it's not pretty to have to admit to yourself that you're in the wrong in certain situations or that you could, you were, you were wrong in this, or you could do better, or you can, that you have faults. Like we all have faults, but being able to really open up your heart and mind and be open-minded that yes, you have things that need worked on. Like that's a big step for sure. Um, but it's more than that. Like you have to be able to put in the work too for yourself. It can't be for someone else. Um, you have to want to be, be better and, and take the steps to be better. So, right. I know one of the things that I've had to really work on is not being as judgmental, you know, before it was always so easy and so quick to judge, but then you don't really know what's going on behind the scenes and why someone made the choices that they made. And, you know, that goes for us too. And the choices that we've made in our 
previous relationships that, yeah, I mean, there's going to be things that we're going to share and people are going to be like, what in the, what were they thinking? But you don't, you know, when you're in that situation and then you're in the moment, it's hard to say what you would have done and what you wouldn't have done. You do what you know to do or what you're capable of doing at the time. Like if you're not in a strong place it's hard to see anything differently than what you're in. And yeah, you're, maybe you're not happy, but um, when you're very low in life and low self-esteem and um, just the unknown, I mean, the unknown's scary for everyone. So mm-hmm. I think, I mean, I know one thing for sure, like with you too, um, when you even considered leaving your ex was you're like, how am I going to do it alone with four kids? And I'm like, you kind of already are. And yeah, I don't know if that ever kind of clicked with you, but like you kind of were single mom in it, even when you're married. And I think a lot of times we don't realize how capable we are. Like we have so much inside of us, but it's kind of digging that out to get to that. I think our own anxiety and our own self-doubt, I mean, at some point we don't have that self-doubt because that person's portrayed all of that self-doubt in us that when we're mentioning change, it's almost crippling in a way. Like you're like, I can't do that. I mean, how, how am I going to function without the chaos that I've been functioning with? It's almost scary to go to something that is healthy and normal. Well, then you question it all. Like if you're in something that's healthy and normal, you're like, you're like waiting for the waiting for the shoe to drop waiting for the bomb to go off yeah and when it doesn't you're like is this normal <laughs> yeah you have been treated way better now a million times better you've confided that there's times where you expect a fight and there's not one and you're like but your anxiety still kicks in because it's habit yes. to, to get a feeling out of you in certain situations and um, retraining like right thank god josh doesn't give in and he just kind of yeah. ignores me <laughs> like it'll pass. <laughs> um Absolutely. some traits that may carry over back to the narcissist with the parents some traits that may carry over as in when you become an adult or if you are an adult and you're like oh man you know maybe this is why I kind of am the way that I am now or dealing with things because you had a narcissistic parent or parents, um, you stay loyal to that narcissistic parent. That basically means that you have no boundaries, even as an adult with that parent, you're letting them manipulate you into a probably giving them money or, you know, you drop everything to do whatever it is that they ask to do. You don't have, you have zero boundaries with them. Even as an adult, you're putting yourself in situations to bend backwards for your parent when really that's, you shouldn't be the parent. They should be the parent. Right. Uh, strength and resilience. Um, not quite sure what that, not sure why that was in there. <laughs> I don't know if it means you don't have the strength and the resilience to deal with it. Um, I didn't really go into detail with that. You may enter a relationship with other narcissists. So you may carry over into your, you know, your emotional, your, uh, what am I looking for? Romantic relationships as well. Yeah. Um, you're going to find somebody who's similar to that because that's what you're accustomed to. That's what you're used to. Yeah. Um, 
you yeah, have some parents that only uh will show up for people when they need something even now as adults yeah um and it's heartbreaking like people that use their kids or don't truly like i don't know like you don't really feel like they love you but like you yearn for that love because they're your parent and right. even if they've never really displayed it in an affectionate way we still like hold on to this hope that we'll get that from them someday right and you're searching for that validation and they're just always letting us down and we're like so creating boundaries even with a parent i know it's hard because everybody will be like well they're your they're your mom they're your dad like how could you well if somebody's treating you like crap even if they're your parent like you are not obligated to keep a relationship with them if it if it costs you your own peace and happiness right so if you've tried to talk to them or you just it's you're just over it i mean unfortunately like you can change your communication like you can go no contact with them um that's odd usually with a narcissist no contacts like your best bet like no contact doesn't let them back in but it's hard when that's apparent and i understand that but learning to say no and and build boundaries against even your parental figures or other family members i mean maybe you've got an aunt or uncle that's or a grandparent that's super narcissistic and abusive to you um it's just creating those boundaries and um trying to master your own emotions like if you have to go to a family gathering and you know these people are going to be there that will always treat you like crap um instead of being whipped up by it maybe learn to either a don't go <laughs> create right. that boundary or b how to just channel like don't take anything personally just ignore it and write it off and just try to have a good time i know it's hard but and um i don't know i have found in the past that helps getting out of those relationships or even if you're in a family of them um try to find like healthy and relaxing habits like meditation yoga journaling doesn't cure all but it helps find a peaceful thing in life or like a constant that's not all chaos and abuse and all that right uh i know that from my personal experience i would write down big events that happened um yeah i remember that relationship that way i guess it was to keep my sanity um because then i would write down exactly what happened everything that happened how i felt because like we said you know if you confront the narcissist or whatever you're going to they're going to make you feel crazy. They're going to make you feel like none of it happened. Right. And then that's the way that you can validate yourself that, okay, it did happen. Regardless if you get to express it or talk to anybody about it with, at least you're getting, you know, your emotions out and everything you feel in a, a safe way. Sometimes it's hard, I guess, with journals. Um, I guess one thing I've always worried about, and it doesn't matter who I'm with, it's just a thing I've got in my own mind, would be that somebody's going through it. Yes. And I'm, I'm afraid to put it on paper because if they find it and maybe that was just my emotions about it that day, it can be blown up proportion in a heartbeat. And so I've always worried and like have hidden mine and that's maybe that's not healthy. I don't know, but, um, I've always never felt like 
a journal specifically was safe except for when I lived alone. <laughs> right. No, I get what you're saying. It's almost, um, I guess I didn't keep it on paper. I kept mine in my phone in a hidden like folder yeah. because I was afraid that he was going to get it and read it. Yeah. And then I'm going to face repercussions on even having written it down. Yeah. It down, even though I should have been afraid of how I was feeling. Right. But you do. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely know that very well. But yeah. So no, I think that's normal as well as you're afraid that they're going to find it because you're going to face some kind of repercussions from it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if you don't feel comfortable with maybe a book journal or written journal, which is fine. Some people will, I don't know. I just, I have a hard time trusting people regardless who it is. So I always just assume someone's going to snoop and look and um, even, I, I understand curiosity, but like a journal is a sacred space, you know, somewhere that you can actually let it out without having judgment or feeling like you're crazy per se. Like you can just, if your mind feels like chaos, like it's on paper, but if you don't feel comfortable with that, they, I know they have apps and I know, you know, you could do it on your phone, like your notes and put in a secret folder, or I think there's websites you can journal on that are completely private. So yeah. something to look into if you need a outlet, if you don't already have one. Right. Or go to the gym and uh, take your mm -hmm. anger out there as well. You don't have to always go to the gym to get fit. I know yep. I didn't go to the gym to get fit. I went to release everything that I was feeling. It's so good. Not even just for physical, the mental side of things. And a lot of my members will tell you that too, that the mental freedom, I, I don't know, just a place to let all your emotions go. And I personally have cried at the gym doing cardio before, because I was just so emotional and it was like the release, like I finally got to release it somewhere. and sure I look ridiculous crying on a stair mill, but wow, I don't give a crap. <laughs> like, yeah, I've, I've we been all there too. Need a, yeah, we all need a, a place or something to make us feel safe and heard. So I know Harley and I are trying to do that here, but if you don't feel comfortable with just us, definitely find some type of healthy habit or uh, space or place you can do something to feel um, heard. Yes. Well, I think that's a wrap on my end. I don't really have much more. That's it for me too. Um, we haven't decided on next week's topic yet, but we will, you know, when we post it, you'll, you'll know. <laughs> and uh, yep. yeah, hopefully this episode was a little bit helpful too. Um, narcissism is a big one to encompass. So that's why we broke it into two episodes, but it's been great getting feedback. I know um, you too have gotten quite a few messages from people. So we want to say thank you for feeling safe enough to talk to us and tell us um, that you're watching or um, that you hear us and uh, just it's, it's been nice to, to, for us to even feel heard that, you know, we're reaching a few people out there. So, yeah. And we're looking forward to start sharing people's stories. I think that's going to be our next. Yeah. Cause then that's when everyone will be able to really relate with what it is that we're talking about. Yep. Yep. We've all got a story. Yep. Awesome. Well, we will see you guys next time and thank you Harley for your time.
And thank you, Tiffany, for your time. I will see you next time. Yep. Bye. Bye.